Uh, so I'm not any good at giving gifts. Never have been a good gift giver. Uh, it's not my love language. Not my thing. Uh, my, I married to somebody who's a very thoughtful gift giver. And one of my kids was at summer camp last week. Another will be at camp this week. And she prepares these care packages with special gifts and treats for the, the kids at camp. Are they in the room right now, by the way? Okay. So yeah, there's all these great things. So I contributed basically nothing to these care packages. Like maybe one little thought or grab something, but just very, very little. I mean, I didn't even... <laughs> all I had to do was send the email to my, my daughter at camp. Didn't even do that. I'm a terrible person. I, I am not good at this stuff. I admire people who are good gift givers. I think it's, it's the, the creativity and the thoughtfulness and the, the forethought that I lack. Um, so... I think for those of us who are already challenged gift givers, you know, we live in a world that makes this even harder because the, the ultimate gift-giving question is what do you get someone who already has everything they need? You know, what do you get the person who has everything? And, and again, most of us in this room, the things that you really need in life, you have them. We have what we need to survive. What can we possibly get people who have everything? And the only thing you can do at that point is to get more and better stuff. So, for example, I have all the fishing gear that I need to go fishing for all the types of fishing I like to do. But if you were to get me a gift and you got me more fishing stuff, better fishing stuff, that would be a blessing. I would receive that with a grateful heart. As some of you know, I own many sets of cornhole bags. If you were to buy me more cornhole bags, better bags, which could improve my game, I would... Uh, receive those gratefully. Uh, if you, you know, if more and better coffee or more and better, the things that I love, you just, that's all you can do. I already have what I need, but you could get more and better as a gift. So we're looking at this letter, and this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he starts his letter by telling them, you have everything that you could ever imagine in the spiritual realms. Every spiritual blessing, you already have it. So here's my prayer for you. Like, what could you possibly give somebody who already has everything that they need? And again, this, this letter starts where he reminds them who they are, that they are people who are chosen by God, that they've been blessed in the heavenly realms in every single way. And he launches into this prayer. What do you pray for somebody who has everything? Here it is, verse 17. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. More and better. You already have all that you need in God, but I want you to know God more. I want you to know him better. It's more and better. This is so important because our spiritual journey is not a one-time thing. It's not a decision, a one-time decision. It is a journey of daily walking with God in faith. It, the scripture describes it as abiding. It's like a branch connected uh, to a vine. It's, it's this vital connection to God where it can, grow, it can grow and it can become deeper and more meaningful. We, we often have this false notion of faith. It's an in or out thing, like a farmer who has some animals and a small herd and you put a fence and you're either, you're either in or you're out. And faith is something, you know, I'm either in faith or I'm out. But really, it's more like 
a farmer who has a vast property that you could never put a fence around, but strategically places wells so that the animals return to the well to drink. And they belong because they are heading towards the well, not because they're, it's not just in or out, but it's a constant coming back and drinking and receiving. And we, in our faith, we can know God more and deeper in more meaningful ways. And I, you know, when, when I do weddings, I tell couples, I say, look, you love each other now a lot, but my hope is that a year from now, you can look back at this date and say, you know what, I love you even more, having, having been married to you this last year. And then 10 years to look back and say, I love you even more. Like the spiral staircase 1969 hit, I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as t- tomorrow. Every day, more than yesterday, not as much as tomorrow, that we can know God more and more in better and in deeper ways. So that's the prayer for this church that's been blessed in every way. And it's, it's a prayer for them, but it's a prayer for us as well, for all followers of Christ, that we can not only have we been blessed, but we can just continue to grow in that. And as we do and as we walk in that way, it will sustain our faith through whatever life throws, um, throws at us day to day, living it out in faith. And here's the prayer that they would know God more and more in three specific aspects of their connection to God. Hope, riches, and power. Those are the three things I want to look at as we uh, consider this today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, uh, that your grace is indeed abundant to us, that you are so good, and that we can just be so vitally connected to you, our loving God and Father, Heavenly Father. So we pray that in this time we might grasp this in a, in a big way, Lord, because you are a good God who just pours out your gifts towards us. And so I pray that we would receive them, that you would give us the grace to respond to you and to how you are at work in this time. We give ourselves to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the prayer is that they would know God more and deeper in here in the first aspect of this in verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Hope. We, le- we live in a world that so desperately needs hope. And there's so much hopelessness. There's even despair all around us. There's people increasingly struggling, struggling with Anxiety and depression and even um, suicidal thoughts and just hopelessness is all around us. We live in a world where we see increasing, in some ways, violence, lack of peace, lack of unity between people. And um, people let us down. Our friends can let us down. Our family members, even maybe even a spouse or someone is, can, can let you down. The institutions of our world can let us down or cause us to doubt um, if, if truly our best interest is at heart, you know, you think, okay, my, uh, the people that we've elected to govern our land, you know, do they really have my best interest at heart? You know, the, the, the news media, are they really trying to communicate news or are they trying to persuade on whatever side they're coming from? You know, companies that make pharmaceutical products, do they really care about my health or are they trying to uh, somehow make a profit off of me? You know, can I trust these institutions? Now, some of you work for pharmaceutical companies. You do great work. I believe in medicine. I believe in what you're doing. Um, Some of you work in media. I'm not 
here to criticize those things. What I'm saying is that there are times when we question these big institutions of our day and say, can I really, can I really trust or can I, can I have faith in these things? In God, and in light of God's promises, this is what his word says, Hebrews 6.19, says we have, we have this hope in God as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, that we can completely trust God and his promises. Uh, in, in, a, in an unstable world, you know, that anchor goes down. We're not just a boat floating around wherever the currents take us, but we can have a firm anchor that's grounded. We, we, we need that. No other anchor will hold. Uh, and again, this is not just wishful thinking. This is absolutely certain in God. And when we don't find our hope in him, we're going to look to other places. We're going to look all around in our world for things that can never truly be that anchor for us. Our money and our wealth will never truly anchor us. Our health will never truly anchor us. Our, even things that we love, our children, will never be a, an anchor. They, either they'll let us down or we'll crush them with our expectations. You know, even when we look within ourselves, you know, can I find hope in myself through my willpower and my self-reliance and you know, these kind of things? And we look within where we should be looking to Jesus because all these other things can fail and fall short. But our faith, can give us a hope that is firm and secure. And we go from this, I guess the saying is, we go from an, uh, a, hopeless, a hopeless end to an endless hope that we can grow as we walk with the Lord in deeper and, and a greater hope because he's with us, because he's guiding us, uh, because he holds us, and because nothing, as his word says, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, our hope is firm and our hope is secure. And here the prayer for this church is I want you to know God more and I want you to know his hope that he's called you to and that you might have hope in an uncertain world, in an unstable world. This is one thing you can trust. This is one thing that will always hold hope. The second thing, I want you to know God more, in verse 18 continues, I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So it's his inheritance. So now in, um, so in English and in Greek, it's, is this his inheritance that he gives us or is this his inheritance that he has for himself? If it's his inheritance for himself, well, that's a beautiful thing because it's in his people that we are God's inheritance, as scripture says elsewhere, we are God's special possession, that we have immense value um, as we connect ourselves to him. But if this is, is his inheritance that he gives us, and again, no, regardless, we are heirs, we are adopted into his family, all of God's kingdom is, you know, we are heirs of that kingdom, um, that we receive the inheritance, the, the inheritance of, um, again, the, the description of this in Scripture is about seeing God fully in experiencing him perfectly, experiencing fellowship with God, and through that, experiencing fellowship with other people perfectly, that there'll be a day where we will inherit new physical bodies, there will be a day where there'll be a great multitude from every tongue and tribe and nation who will be united, this is the kind of inheritance that we need to remember because we, feel, we can feel disconnected from God 
but we know that we're going to inherit that perfect connection. We experience broken relationships in this world, but we know that God is going to perfectly unite in fellowship those who are part of this inheritance. That we experience the brokenness of our physical bodies. We get sick. We, we get old. We, get, we break down in different ways, but we are going to inherit this perfect thing. We need this kind of um, understanding of an inheritance. But here's the problem with inheritance. You don't get it till the end. You can't take your inheritance early. That's very offensive. There's actually a story in the Bible about that. You don't get it to the end. It's a future idea. But, but we want it now. Say, God, I'm struggling now. I'm sick now. I'm in broken relationship now. Why, am I, why do I have to wait for the future? That's why this is a prayer. I pray that you have the perspective to know the riches of the inheritance which you'll one day receive, to keep that in mind so that as you go through that stuff today, you remember that it's not just all about today. Remember last week, we looked at this passage where he said, before you were born, God chose you in him, and he's called you to be part of his thing, and you're going to inherit all of the kingdom's stuff one day. So whatever you experience today, whatever trials, and Scripture describes that as light and momentary, even when they don't feel light and momentary, God, these things feel heavy, and they feel like I'm never going to get out of them, God is saying, don't ever forget, you know, as you grow in your faith and knowledge of God, don't ever forget where he's bringing you. Don't ever forget that you're part of something so much greater than just this momentary thing, just today. And we get so caught up in just today's thing, and we can lose that eternal perspective. The prayer here really is that they would have an eternal perspective so that as we navigate the troubles of this world, we know that there's something greater. We don't lose sight. It's not that God is, doesn't want to give us this inheritance, doesn't want us to experience the fullness of his kingdom. It's just that God is patient. Scripture says he's not slow. He's not behind in any way. He's just patient. He wants more people to join into this thing that he's doing. He's calling people to himself. And when, the, when, when that fullness has been completed, then yes, the end will come and we'll experience all of the inheritance. But in the meantime, we need to look back at where God has brought us. We need to look forward to where God is bringing us and know um, the riches of that. So the prayer is that you would know God more, that you would know the hope he's called you to. You'll know this riches of his inheritance. And lastly, that you would know his power. Look at verse 19. Pray that you may know his incomparably great power for for us who believe. How much power? What kind of power? Verse 19. The power is the same as the mighty strength. Verse 20. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us today, now. That's astounding. That's an astounding claim. That the resurrection, we have that, we sing that song, Resurrection Power. I've got resurrection power living inside of me. Something like that. How, how did I do? Okay. For my next number. Um, no, but that's a crazy claim. 
And what's the extent of the power? Verse 21, this gets even better. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the, in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is a picture of the power that's alive in Christ. It's complete power, complete dominion, everything under Christ. And he is the head over everything. Uh, this, is, this is a lot of power. <laughs> And yet, Scripture's honest to say, at present time, we don't, it doesn't seem like everything's under his power and authority. It actually, at times, seems like evil is winning, or things are out of control in our world or in our lives. And we look at the world and say, I believe that all the power is his, but we're not seeing in its fullness. And again, this is, um, we, we wrestle with that. But we remember that Christ is ruling and reigning today and that he's exerting his power today. I was reading you know, about this this week and one person wrote, you know, if Jesus wasn't in power, this world would be way worse than it is now. That Christ is rescuing people out of, God is healing people. Christ is rescuing people out of darkness into light. That they could be agents of peace and goodness in this world and not just drag down into the darkness of the world. That he is ruling and reigning today. And yes, one day, again, we'll know it in all of its fullness, but we can experience this power today. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is for us. That we can have this power now. How do I experience it? You ask for it. You pray for it. God, I want to know your power. I need to experience your power. It's going to be power to endure in this world. Power to forgive others power to trust God in anything. And when we do that, then we can truly walk daily with the Lord in light of his power. I, I ran into somebody uh, at the store recently and had one of those quick, like, oh, good to see you, 30-second conversation. I think we named three things in a 30-second conversation that were really terrible and heavy things in just a very short time. We looked at each other and said, how do people do this without Jesus? How do people do this without faith? Because God's power is for us to sustain us through these things. God is at, his power is there to change these things. You know, I had a conversation this week with my friend, uh, Pastor Brian Bethke. He's a pastor in Middleton. Many of you know him. And I remember when I met him, and he was sharing, he's a retired Marine. He had spent 20 years in the Marines, and he had been in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he'd seen all these, had all these experiences. And I said, what's the deal with you? Because I know that a lot of your comrades have come back and finished their service, and they, they've got, there's a lot of PTSD. There's a lot of depression, suicide, alcoholism. There's all these things. How, what, what is different about you? And he said, the only difference between me and all those other guys is Jesus. Jesus is the difference. That God has, his power is in me and I'm seeking to be a blessing to them and to others that they might also know the healing and the power of God. And here the prayer for these people is that they might come to know this great power, this unbelievably great power for those who believe. So, 
Here you are, church. Again, Paul writing to this, this young church. He said, you've got every blessing you could ever dream of, but I pray that you know it deeper, and I pray that you know it better and more, specifically that you would know the hope to which you're called, that you might know the riches of your inheritance and the immense power that's available to you today. Is it real? Where do we see God's power today? So we asked you. So we sent an email out. Some of you saw it in our weekly email. It said, um, what, have you seen a miracle? We'll call it a miracle because, you know, you could ex- experience God's power in different ways. But have you seen God do a miracle? And you wrote back. Now, if you don't get our weekly email, you should sign up for it because it's a great way to communicate with us. But uh, there was some other messages went out. It said, where have you seen God do a miracle? And you started to write back. And we got response after response after response. And we're going to share those with you in a moment. Um, now, you might see these and say, okay, that's, that's nice, but is that really a miracle? Is that really the power of God? And then you look at them and you add them up and, and you look in your own life at what you would consider a miracle in your life and you add them up and you say, wait a minute. Yes, this is from above. This is from God. This is what he has done. And there's so many that we can't even count them all. So I invite you to keep an eye on the screen and just consider um, these miracles that God has been doing amongst us. Know God's power. Let us pray. Father, we, uh, we come to you today as people who need your hope. We need to know that um, you're, you're bringing us towards a beautiful future, a beautiful inheritance. But also today, moment by moment, to experience your power. That you would truly, uh, that you exert in our lives, Lord, to heal and to change and to, and to empower us to be your people truly, Lord. Pray that we would know it and that we would know it more. In Jesus' name, amen.